0: Out my window, and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman, and neither are you.
1: Hey, guys, and welcome back to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is Colby Patnode, and I'm joined, as always, by Ty Gonzalez. And Ty, today we are going to talk some trades.
0: Woo! Wow, yeah, that was bad.
1: Sure. <laughs> you sound like a depressed yeah. choo-choo train. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. uh, yeah. i mean you know it's it's may there's still so much to to you know happen and everything it's just trade talk is uh it's hard to do around this time but you know what i'm looking forward to it uh, and it's always fun to talk some baseball so let's get into it right so uh, we sent out the bat signal for you guys to send us
1: questions and things like that Um, And uh, you responded. Uh, We have, I think, seven questions right now. Um, And who knows, maybe we'll get even one or two more as we're recording. But uh, for now, we have seven questions all related to trade. Uh, That's going to be the focus of today's episode. Um, Probably uh, in the next week or two, we'll have an episode dedicated more to the draft um, as that inches closer. But um, as you mentioned, it's May. It's early. Um, it's really hard to know specifics, uh, in terms of targets and all that stuff, but we're going to try our best with the information we have right now. Um, and we'll just see, see how this, uh, goes. It's definitely something we'll do in June and obviously we'll do it in July, um, and all that stuff. So, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It should be interesting. There's a uh, quite a few interesting questions here. So, uh, let's get, uh, let's just dive right in, I guess. All right, let's see. Question number one is from is from Josh, uh, at Josh A. Wright on Twitter. Um, he wants to know, if we were GMs, how much focus would we put on a player's character as opposed to their talent? And uh, second part, do you think Depoto puts an emphasis on character based on his trade? So... Um, interesting question, kind of a unique one to kick things off here. So, um, talent versus character, Ty. Um, what do you think?
0: I think you know, especially when you're acquiring a prospect, it's hard to get a really good read on on a player's character until you sit down face to face with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't think that co- necessarily comes into play. Like, obviously, you get some, you know information from um scouts or you know or players or or coaches that have been around these players but really don't get a huge feel for them so i don't think that they put a huge emphasis on that when they when they acquire players that are especially you know uh under the radar um as most prospects are but um yeah i do think that uh, that plays uh into what DePoto looks for because uh you know he's acquired a lot of really unique clubhouse guys. You think about Malik Smith and and D Gordon and Shedlong and um Ryan Healy, etc. They you know these guys have a personality to them. Um they uh, you know swag isn't really the the word that I would use in terms of Ryan Healy <laughs> but you know they they all kind of have this uniqueness to them. Um that they all bring so I think that is a um, that is something that that DePoto takes into account, and I'm sure is something that he does consider uh, when acquiring these players. But for the most part, I think it is just talent over character,
1: right? I think, um, you know, it is that you look at some of the guys that uh, DePoto himself has acquired um and there's been some interest you talk about uh guys like Mitch Haniger and Marco Gonzalez who are um guys who are very dedicated to perfecting their craft they're baseball like junkies basically um and that uh, obviously helps in their development and it's a lot easier to invest in that guy than somebody who is just kind of relying on natural talent or just kind of going through the motions during all that stuff so um when you look at like reaching a ceiling, then that obviously comes into play. Um, but it's really hard to know, as you said, unless you have the player in your system, what kind of work ethic work ethic they have. Um, we know Shed Long. Uh, we know his his reputation coming over is that he's a hard worker. We know J P Crawford is uh, has a reputation for being a hard worker. Obviously, Mitch Haneker and Marco Gonzalez. Um, Mike Leak you know you look at some of these they all have this reputation there's very few guys that DePoto has acquired where you go well I mean you know that that's that could be a problem um, and in fact DePoto very early on got rid of a few of those guys he got rid of Luis Gojara um, who basically refused to get in shape he was up to like two, 270 280 and the mayor just traded him like okay We're not going to sit around for this. So they traded him. Um, You look at a guy like uh, Alex Jackson, who was a highly touted prospect for a while. Um, He just never seemed to really want to make the changes, the adjustments that he needed to. And DePoto shipped him off in the same deal. Um, And when guys like Gene Segura became a problem in the clubhouse, what did DePoto do? Traded him. Um, So I think it matters. I think like in, in regards to this, like just for an example, Addison Russell. Uh, I don't think the Mariners would ever acquire Addison Russell uh, regardless of the price. I just don't think that's a the headache they want. Um, they've obviously with their uh, the, the whole thing with uh, Dr. Lorena Martin and then with Kevin Mather. Um, they've already had some issues in that area, but I don't think they're going to, going to acquire that. So Addison Russell may be talented, But I don't think he's ever going to be a Mariner uh, just based on what's around him. Um, And, you know, uh, I know a lot of people like to talk about what about, uh, what was that guy's... uh, The guy who got, like, accused of rape um, and the Mariners traded for him a while back. Josh Lukey or something like that. Um, And people like to bring that up, but that's a completely different ownership group and that's a completely different GM. Uh, Really, the only player issue they've had that i can remember under the depoto era was uh clevenger steve clevenger uh yeah. with his <clears throat> i don't even remember what he said it was something really stupid um and they cut him <laughs> they're like okay bye you're done
0: and they cut and they cut him same day yeah. You? yeah yeah so
1: and it was a tweet i mean they didn't try to cover that up um so yeah i, I think for depoto character matters um obviously the bigger the talent the more your level of you know risk tolerance goes up um but yeah it's we just we haven't really seen that be an issue for the mariners in a long time uh you know player wise so um yeah i don't know it's a good question for me uh for me personally domestic violence you're off i'm just i'm not interested in you at all i don't care yeah um, mm, I'm just great. crossing you off the board. I don't care how talented you are. I don't want you in my organization period. Um, so but uh, for Jerry, I think for the most part, you know he's he's handled these types of situations about as well as you can hope for. so um,
0: didn't mean to uh <laughs> hog that topic Ty. you got anything else? No no no. No, I think what you said uh, really sums it up perfectly, though, Uh, just when it comes to, you know, off the field issues and and, you know, these characteristics that some players may bring and and in in the debate between, you know, whether you choose to ignore a player's history because of their talent level. Um, You're saying that in the NFL, you see that in the MLB, you see that everywhere. Um, So that's. Yeah, you know, that's a large discussion that can go on for forever, really. But it's it's a really intriguing one, and and I think it's one that uh, the Mariners have tried to to avoid as much as possible. Um, especially, you know, the and you brought up the Kevin Mather issue and the Lorena Martin issue and everything that, um, you know, they they don't have a, a great reputation right now, and so it would probably be very unwise for them to. You know, do something like acquiring Addison Russell. Um, that would probably be the worst possible thing for their PR right now. Um, but I think just in general, DePoto looks for, for fun guys that love the game. Um, and that's been most of the players that he's acquired of all the, you know, 50 million that he has over the last four or five years. So, uh, yeah, I I think... I think character does play a part. I just I don't know how much of a part it plays, but it definitely it's definitely involved.
1: Right. Um, so yeah, that that's like I said, that's an interesting question. Uh, and I guess I would just to wrap it up and say, look at Depoto's track record, and look at the guys that he's acquired. They typically have um, you know their makeup and their character uh, grades, if you will, are usually pretty much off the chart. Um, you know, even guys like D Gordon, um, some of the veterans he's acquired have been a uh, pretty high makeup guys. So, um,
0: I, think I think, it, I think it's like someone like Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce right. is another guy that's just, he's not necessarily fun, but he is a well-respected guy around the clubhouse. He's an open guy to, to the younger players and, um, everything like that. And, you know, and he's a solid veteran that can produce for you um occasionally <laughs> you know but uh but you know you know it's it's guys like that it doesn't have to be you know the guys that are up there dancing and you know doing all that they got those guys as well but they're also you know like you said mitch Haniger, marco gonzalez those guys you know are focused on on their craft and everything and and they and they just love the game you know, and um, same goes for pretty much every player on, on the 25 man roster and a lot of the guys uh, in the farm system.
1: Yep, uh, I would agree with that. So uh, thanks for the question, Josh. Uh, let's go ahead, let's move on to a question from um, Seattle at Seattle underscore 09. Uh, really good follow on Twitter. You guys should uh, follow him. He sends us a lot of uh, stuff, things like that. And he asks simply, who are the most likely trade partners for Edwin Encarnacion?
0: Hmm. Well, you know, I would say the Yankees, but they just acquired Kendrick Morales. Obviously, that shouldn't stop them from looking at Edwin Encarnacion. Encarnacion is a significantly better player right now at the point in their careers. Um, but I think maybe that move does make them hold off a little bit uh, for now. The Rays uh, are another team that comes. Basically, any AL team that wants to add a power, that could add a power bat, and is contending, will look for uh, is is a potential landing spot for Edwin. Um, Now, Edwin has played a lot of first base this year, and he's looked pretty solid doing so. So, I would it wouldn't. It's not out of the realm of possibility that an NL team would be interested in him, Um, but. You know, teams now with how they think and, and, you know, about roster construction, uh, they want as much flexibility as they they can get. Uh, Incarnacion doesn't give an NL team a lot of flexibility. He will play first base for you, and that's about it. So I think that does eliminate a good portion of the market for him. Um, But yes, just a couple of teams that do jump out to me are the Rays, the Yankees. Um, the twins could, could maybe line up there with them, uh, you know, a bunch of names, uh, even the Indians could look to reacquire him at some point.
1: Right. Um, I'd also throw the, uh, the Houston Astros onto that list as right. well. Uh, they've gotten basically nothing from Tyler White, uh, who's been their primary DH this year, uh, uh. They, I mean, eh, the the Astros like to use their DH. It's kind of a rotating thing too. But uh, I think the Astros make sense as well. But I think the correct answer to this question is actually um, somebody we're not thinking of right now, uh, <laughs> because like you said, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's May. A lot of teams don't know if they're in it or not. Uh, and you start looking around at the standings, and like the Rays, they're probably going to be in it all year. They could use some. Uh, they could use some right-handed power, but it's payroll. You know, payroll issues. The Yankees probably, but they have Stanton and Judge coming back, um, and Didi Gregorius. So, um, and they got
0: Luke Voit to play first. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The Red Sox have J.D. Martinez, Mitch Moreland's having a uh, power year, uh, but they're a possibility too. Um, you know, if JD Martinez can play some left field or, you know, Mitch Moreland isn't a thirty home run guy, which he's never been in the past. Uh shocking. Uh so that's a possibility. Like you said, the Twins, the Indians, they make some sense. Um, you know, the it just that's about it, uh, right now. But uh we don't know how things shake out. Maybe the Brewers end up making a move on him, you know, we don't know.
0: Um Yeah, I mean Aguilar's been Dad this year right.
1: um,
0: So there yeah, like I said, you know the the fact that Incarnacion has played Average to above average defense at first base uh, This far, you know for his standards uh, That does make him a little bit more valuable to an NL team you would at least think um, And you know or at least think would turn some heads uh, So I don't think that again, that's out of the realm of possibility Um, so that does create a little more opportunity than we initially thought. Um, but yeah, I think you know, I think I'm right there with you on. I the Astros make the most sense right now if a deal were to happen. Um, and then at that point, but you know, look, a a good team, no matter who they have on their roster, if Edwin Encarnacion is available for the right price and the Mariners are willing to eat a bit of his salary, then um, I don't think any team would necessarily say no to that. And they would just figure out a way to make it work. Cause that bat um, to add that kind of bat for the last two to three months of your season, that's significant. And uh, it doesn't really matter, you know, about where you fit him. You just, you take the, you take the talent and figure it out from there. Right. Um,
1: like I said, we, we have already heard that the Mariners were willing to eat like half of his salary uh, this off season to try and get a deal done. Nobody was all that interested. Um, but I, I think, again, the bat is good. He can play first base and not kill you. He's shown that this year. Uh, so I think he'll have a decent market. It's just hard to know what that is right now. Um, if I had to pick, like, give me like one team that I think he gets traded to right now. I would say Cleveland, um, as weird as that is, but, uh, you know, Cleveland's doesn't have a, their, their offense is struggling mightily. Yeah. Um, they're looking up at the twins who are kind of a surging team right now. They're dealing with a lot of injuries. Uh, this is kind of one of the last years of their window. Uh, Francisco Lindor is inching closer to free agency. Um, so is Bauer and, uh, Kluber. So, um, this might be their last shot to really make a run at it and Incarnacion would help them. Uh, so, uh, I think Cleveland is still the, the best fit and, um, you know, we had a, a little back and forth with somebody on, uh, on Twitter, uh, and, uh, you know, he tried to get, drag a, a Cleveland beat writer into his corner and the, uh, the beat writer said that, you know, if the money was right, then he thinks the Indians would be actually be open to bringing back Incarnacion, um help them this year. So I, I would say Cleveland is the most likely spot right now. Uh, that could change in two days. So yeah. Uh, just keep that in mind. All right. Uh thanks for the question, uh Seattle Nine. Um let's let's move on to a question that we got from uh uh at Mariner Source on Twitter. Um, he wants to know what relievers in the bullpen or the minors will be a part of the future. So, uh, not exactly a trade question, but one that's you know it's uh, we could work it into that. Um, let's start with this tie. Is there any reliever right now that you would view as just no, like off limits? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That is the correct answer. Uh So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so who's most Let's, let's phrase it this way. Who's most likely to be a part of the 2020
0: bullpen, um, at least right now? Uh, I think uh, Brandon Brennan and Connor Sadzik are those guys. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they could be gone too easily this year um, if they keep performing the way that they have. Um, sure. It's... Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really hard with bullpens to to predict, you know, even a, just a year away. It's, they're so finicky, and relievers can fall off the edge of the earth at any moment. Um, you know, so we don't even know if, you know, Brandon Brennan and, and Connor Sadzic are going to go into 2020 with this outlook that they're, you know, uh, ready to, you know, headline a bullpen. Yeah. Um, so I'm really I'm I'm non-committal I'm non-committal to any of these relievers, um, but Brennan and Sadzik are the two that make the most sense just because age control, um, etc.
1: Right. I'd probably throw uh, Sam Tuivala on that list just because. Oh, right. He's coming. I always forget
0: about him.
1: Right. Well, it sounds like yeah. he's gonna go. He's gonna pitch again today um and that'll be his first time going back to back days so he's pretty close it sounds like um to rejoining the bullpen um and again if they got an offer they like for Tui Tui Valala, they should take it um but i don't know that they're going to get enough in those uh, those three players to just go ahead and trade them this year because you're not giving those guys away you have no reason to um yeah. Sadsic and Brennan have 5 years of club control after this year and I think Tui Valala still has three, um, so you're not just going to uh, give those guys away because they're they're useful pieces at the very least. They're you know seven in, seventh inning type of guys, you the high leverage uh, if you need to. Uh, so yeah, I, I think those three are probably the most likely to stay um, in 2020. Um, as for minor league guys, there isn't a reliever in the minor leagues that I wouldn't trade in a heartbeat. Uh, I just, I don't think you build a, a bullpen for the future. If that makes sense. I think the bullpen is something you build, you decide to build in an off season in a trade deadline. Like that's when you do it. It doesn't take long to build a good bullpen. Uh, it just for the Mariners this year, it, it wasn't a priority, but if the Mariners think they're a good bullpen away after 2019, they can build it in one off season pretty easily. So, um, Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't really see any of these guys being long. I'd I'd be, I'd be a little bit surprised if anybody who's thrown a pitch for the Mariners this year out of the bullpen um, is going to be a Mariner when they're ready to compete. Uh, Aside from, you know, Justin Sheffield, that doesn't really count. But yeah, I just, I don't, I think you're going to see a lot of turnover in the bullpen over the next couple of years. Um, I just, yeah, I, I don't I don't think you use bullpen pieces at building blocks to a rebuild, which is why it made sense to trade Edwin Diaz. Yep. Yep. So, uh, like I said, thanks for the question. Uh, it's interesting one. But I me personally, I subscribe to um, you build the bullpen in six months. Like you don't need, you know, oh, he's a closer of the few. Who cares? Uh, it just it's not. It's not a high priority, uh, especially this year. So, Um, Thanks for the question. Let's move on. We have a question from uh, Kelly Johnson uh, on Twitter, at Kelly H. Johnson. The question is, at this point, what off-season trade by DePoto has proven to be the best for this season and what has been the worst? So a specific question about uh, the 2019 Mariners. So, uh, Uh Ty the best trade that helped the 2019 Mariners is what?
0: Hmm. Um, ooh, there are really some really good ones. Um, I think getting Omar Navarez after you traded Mike Zanino away, uh, mm-hmm. was huge. um, I think that was a great way to supplement your, your catching position. Yes. You lost a lot on defense, but Narvaez has been one of the best, uh, hitting catchers uh, this year, uh, just across the league. Um, probably heading for an all-star game. If he keeps Mm -hmm. this up, perhaps even as a starter, um, he's been fantastic. Uh, so I think that and the Domingo Santana trade, right. Um, Huge Uh, just a couple of big pieces that they can either bring along for the foreseeable future or flip um, for more than they got him for Mm -hmm. Uh, both players have have exceeded expectations thus far and uh, You know, obviously Santana's struggled defensively and and you know the the f4 uh, isn't really there, but uh, he's been Just you know watching the games he's been a valuable piece the mariners and um yeah that's uh i think those two have affected the team the most obviously you know some of the trades in the bullpen or just some of the moves in general that they made in the bullpen you know drafting brandon brennan out of the rule five draft uh you know trading for connor sadzik um so yeah there's um you know and obviously you know getting someone like eric swanson and and you know uh to you know may develop into a a high leverage believer for you but is also giving you quality innings every now and then uh starting so i think that's had a mostly positive effect on the team uh moving forward so yeah um there are a lot to choose from really you know obviously but uh a lot of them have worked out pretty well for them thus far Mm -hmm. so
1: Yeah, I would say the, uh, the one that's helped the team the most, um, I think just statistically would be Omar Narvaez, uh, the guy's the best hitting catcher in baseball right now. And, uh, defense, obviously, yes, it's not, it's not good. Um, but again, this is really the first year he's gotten any instruction on his defense whatsoever. Um, we were on the, we were on with, uh, Jason Churchill about a month ago, um, And he more or less, we more or less trashed the White Sox and their ability to develop catchers um, defensively. Um, So they're not good at it. They don't really seem to be interested in becoming good at it either. Uh, So we'll see. Like I said, you got to give Omar some time here. Um, But yeah, to get him for Colomay a a piece you, a good piece, but a piece you're not going to use this year. You just, you didn't have a, it it didn't make sense to have a quality closer like that on a rebuilding team, um, and not at the salary he was making. So you trade him for Narvaez. I think that worked out, um, really well. And, uh, yeah, you know, as you mentioned, the, the Santana for Gamble trade is also working out, uh, pretty well for both sides, I would say. Um, but the Mariners got the better, the better player in that deal. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What about, what about the other way? Which one has been the worst for the 2019 Mariners?
0: (sighs) uh, Obviously, you know, the trade as a whole uh, is fantastic for the Mariners. But the one player that's or the two players that are having probably the two biggest negative effects on the Mariners are Jay Bruce and Anthony Swarzak. Right. so for those two players, you know, obviously Jerry Kelnick and Justin Dunn, and, you know, we don't know uh, with uh, Gerson Batista yet, but, you know, we'll see on that. But those, th- you know, to get Kelnick and Dunn is fantastic. But Bruce and Sorzak have been uh, bad. <laughs> you know, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Sorzak's looked bad. Uh, pretty terrible for for most of his uh his appearances as far especially as of late he looked all right uh in his last appearance um but you know that the road trip was pretty rough for him uh <laughs> yeah. but uh but yeah so uh and you know and Bruce is uh he's got all the home runs but after that it, I, you know I I don't know how many hits he has at this point but I'm sure more than half of them are still home runs <laughs> so uh that should tell you all you need to know about Bruce. Uh yeah, I just you know those two guys have probably been the most uh or have had the most negative impact on the on the Mariners so far. Uh, just on both sides, you know, uh from a hitting standpoint and a pitching standpoint. So uh that's probably uh the or that's the answer that I'll go with. Yeah.
1: Um would this team be better with Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz on it? probably um yeah but again it may be the worst trade for the 2019 mariners it might be the best trade they made all offseason, um long term so um it's like the way the question is framed specifically for this year i think you have to say it's the it's the edwin uh edwin diaz and uh and japer uh sorry the edwin diaz and robinson cano trade um that just I, – I don't really think there's any other argument for any other trade because, uh, both, like you said, both those guys have been disappointing, to say the least. Um, they haven't really upped their trade value at all like you were hoping they would. So, um, yeah, specifically for this team, that's the worst trade. For um, the rebuild as a whole, that might be the best and most important trade. So, um, yeah, just – funny how you can phrase things and uh, it changes the outcome like significantly so um, yeah in, interesting question um, you know we, we spend a lot of time looking at uh, big picture uh, you know the the rebuild in the offseason all that stuff so it is fun sometimes to look at it and say hey you know what uh, what about for this year what was the you know I mean, what was the what was the you know the bottom line on the players they acquired for this year so uh, good question there All right. um, For sure. Yeah. So we're gonna save that question for last. Let's jump ahead here. Um, Dino has two questions for us. Um, One of them is a an actual like uh, grade the trade type of thing, Um, Mm -hmm. and one of them is a question about Brandon Brennan. So which one do you want first, Ty?
0: Mm, Let's do the uh, let's do the grade the trade. All
1: right. Uh, so Dino proposes uh, two trades here.
0: Um,
1: okay. Or uh, propose might be a strong word. He asked about two potential trades here. Uh, okay. First trade up. They're both involve Rowanis Elias, by the way, uh, um, okay. which is somebody oh, okay. yeah,
0: I've seen this. Yeah, I've seen yes.
1: this. Uh, so let's start with Rowanus Elias to the Atlanta Braves for William Contreras, the uh, catching prospect.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that makes some sense. I think it's uh, comparable to the... Uh, uh, Brad Hand for uh for Francisco Mejia trade, but you know, on obviously on a lower scale. Uh Contreras is really good. Um I think yeah that I think that works out. You know Contreras would probably be a top five prospect in most systems. It's just that brave system is insane. Um yeah I, I, I think Elias right now with the way that he's pitching I think he's working his way into that uh, into that kind of value where you can get something pretty pretty damn nice for him especially with his uh 2 years left to control and everything so I um I think that I think that one makes a lot of sense. I if I had to give a grade on it or if we're doing like 2080 I'd give it like a 60. 60 for who? Uh, just, uh, just in terms of just value overall for trade and just how it makes sense. So not necessarily for one team or the other, just in terms okay. of making sense and how it works.
1: Yeah. Um, so that that's an interesting one. Like I said, uh, William Contreras catching's really hard to find uh, in baseball right now. There's not a lot of good ones out there. Um, and uh, Contreras probably is going to be about an average defensive catcher. And there's a chance that he's an average bat, which makes him a very valuable player. Um, So I, I I don't know if the Braves are going to be willing to move Contreras for Elias straight up. Um, But it's, it's an interesting trade because uh, Contreras is probably at least two years away. The Braves are uh, the Braves are, you know, trying to win this year. Like you mentioned, Elias is building up quite a bit of trade value because, he's really versatile. You can, you know, you can spot start him. He can be an opener. Um, he can give you long relief. He can pit, you can get lefties out. He can be the one pitch guy or the one out guy. He could be the, you know, he could do the high leverage with the bases loaded against he's good against lefties and righties. You can pretty much use him however you want. Um, and you have him for two more years. So I think, you know, asking for Contreras might be a bit much, but I don't think it's ridiculous. Um,
0: yeah, I mean. and a lot of
1: this will have will come down to the market uh that develops for elias himself um but i yeah I, I think that would make some sense for both sides so i would give uh you know i know the braves bullpen is struggling a bit um and in the national league uh you know having a reliever who can go multiple innings that's really nice uh so yeah i, I think it's probably a 55 60 grade uh trade proposal so i like that one All
0: right.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, part two of the uh, or second uh, trade offer is uh, trading Elias to the Rays for Shane Baz. Uh,
0: what do you think of that one? Uh, I, I think the Rays would hang up immediately. Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot to ask. Yeah, that's a lot. I, yeah, that's, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> I mean take it that's an 80 grade trade for the mariners <laughs> if, that, if that happened i would be through the roof ecstatic about that uh yeah I, I i don't think that that one's uh entirely realistic unless Elias just continues to dominate uh and uh you know really uh really you know and then there's a high demand Ass gets for- hurt <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like if it, i could see potentially the mariners leveraging into some sort of deal for baz they would have to include something else along with Elias. let
1: me, let me just but, throw something out there for you real fast then uh yeah. just what do you think of like Elias and kyle lewis for shane baz that's you know that's creative i do
0: that, I do that in a heartbeat
1: yeah I, I think that's creative it gives you know the race some help now and also a decent controllable piece uh in lewis i i think if you want Baz, you're going to have to include probably a prospect with Elias. Um, I don't think like Incarnacion and Elias gets Steve Baz or anything close to that. So, right. um, so yeah, I, I would agree with you that the offer itself would be an 80 for the Mariners and probably a 20 for the Rays. <laughs> but I do think the Rays are a great fit for Elias. Um, so it's just a matter of finding a player or a, you know, a, a package or whatever that works for both sides because the rays, the way they use their openers, um, the way that they use their bullpen, uh, creatively and, uh, not at, not by the book. Elias fits that beautifully with his ability to cover multiple innings, to spot, start, to close, like he can do everything. And the rays love arms like that. So I I think the rays are probably a 70 grade fit. It's just about finding the right player, um, in that trade. Um, you know, a guy like i don't know tanner dodson maybe a uh, anthony banda somebody like that um sure and before we move off the uh again good question here uh before we move off the Elias thing the other night somebody asked me what i thought that they could get for him and off the top of my head i thought maybe something similar to the mike montgomery package from a few years ago um <laughs> And if you guys don't remember, the Mariners traded Mike Montgomery to the Cubs. And in that deal, they got Daniel Vogel back and Paul Blackburn. And then later, I think the next offseason, they flipped Blackburn for uh, Danny Valencia. So um, they actually got pretty good value out of that Montgomery trade. And I think that's something they could do again um, with Elias. So um, at least right now, Elias is going to be one of those guys that we talk about a lot um, in the next couple months because – they said he's working his way up, you know, the list of the most valuable trade targets uh, or trade chips for the Mariners. So uh, good question. All right, uh, let's go to Dino's second question then. Um, let's see. Uh, do you think the Mariners will trade Brennan or do they consider him part of the future and if you think they do trade him, what do you think a return could look like? Uh, so let's – we kind of touched on the first part of this, but let's just reiterate it. Um, do you think the Mariners see anybody in their bullpen as part of their long-term future? Uh,
0: I personally wouldn't. I don't know if they if they do, though. I would assume not or hope not. Um, but, yeah, I – in terms of trading Brennan, I do think it's possible. Um, I, I do think there will be some interest there. I just don't know if there will be an offer on the table for him that um, the Mariners will actually like. Um, right-handed relievers are are uh, more um, easily acquirable than, than lefties. They're just not as much of a... Um, as of a commodity, you know, as as much of a rare commodity as, as lefties are, you know, like your Elias's and your, your Zach Ross cups that you have that, you know, teams will probably check in on. Um, so I don't know. But, you know, Brennan's young. He's got control. There will be interest there. It's just what is uh, an offer that they would be willing to take. Uh, and I really have no idea where teams would start and finish on that.
1: Right. Um, you know, you, you walk through Brennan's uh, profile as a trade ship, and uh, he's 28 years old, so he's a bit older than usual. Uh, but he does have six years of club control, right? That's a positive. Um, he has been really good this year. That's a positive. 95-mile-an-hour uh, yep. fastball with a 60, sometimes as high as 70-grade changeup. That's really valuable. He can go a couple innings if you need him to. Again, valuable. Um, so yeah, I think I think actually, if the Mariners wanted to maximize the trade value of uh, of uh, Brennan, I think it might make sense to keep him for another year. Maybe slowly transition him to the you know a setup or a closing role, um, and then you can trade him next offseason. But uh, I don't think or next uh, next trade deadline. Uh, I, I don't think the Mariners necessarily see any reliever as part of their long-term future. Um, but I think if they, if I had to pick one guy that I would say they probably see him as that, it would be Brennan.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: if, if that made any sense. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't, it's interesting because Brennan is, I don't have a comp off the top of my head. Um, heck, maybe it's, maybe it's Mike Montgomery. Um, but, uh well-
0: it's just it's really weird because you know he's a rule five guy there really aren't a lot of those uh, that come through and and succeed as much as he has uh, in his first year uh, so you know that's that's kind of uh you know and, and with this tool set that he brings but in and a high volume relief market, it's just really hard to uh to gauge
1: yeah, it is I think you know um, maybe one of the things they can do. Uh, and we saw the Padres do this last year, and this would be a uh, this trade would be much more watered down. But remember last year the Padres traded uh, Brad Hand for Francisco Mejia, but they also sent Adam. Oh, Adam Sember, yeah, in that deal. So a lefty and a righty uh, going for a high prospect. Now Hand has a much lo- longer track record um, than either Elias or uh, or uh, Brennan, so. You're, you're not going to get Mejia, like a Mejia-level prospect, but trading both of those guys together, um, to example, I mean, for, to the Rays, I mean, you might get a pretty solid prospect who has a chance to be an everyday player, and that's valuable. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, can you get a, you know, like a Nick Solak, the second-base prospect, pretty good bat, um pretty good run, kind of average ish defense. Uh, you know, uh can you get somebody solid like that or can you get somebody with some upside like a Josh Lowe, who was a a first round pick a few years ago who hasn't really uh who hasn't really hit at the high levels. Could you maybe get somebody like that if you package those two two guys together? Yeah, you might, and that's probably worth it. So uh um that's really interesting. The Mariners are going to be a very interesting team to watch at the trade deadline. They're going to have a lot of pieces that are going to be worth a ton by themselves. But Jerry's very creative. I think you'll see a lot of three-team deals. I think you'll see, you know, some package deals where I'm going to package, you know, hey, here's Edwin Encarnacion, but also here's Connor Sadzik. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. See, so yeah, I don't think they necessarily see Brennan as part of their future long-term but uh, that doesn't mean they're just going to dump him for whatever they can get. So uh right. And I think that's an important distinction to make there. All right. So now let's get to the big question here. This one comes from Josiah Colby. Good name. Um on Twitter <laughs> uh <laughs> at @spills19 with a Z. So uh okay. you know you're dealing with a real badass here. Uh <laughs> uh let's see uh josiah wants to know uh jerry mentioned that he's looking for players that are slash could be major league quality and they just need a chance to play every day who do you think he'll target that fits that description so first of all very specific question uh second of all a very good question and just to kind of put a uh i don't know a bit of a comp around it i think he's talking about guys like ben gamel or uh you know daniel vogel guys who are blocked by their organizations um but Mm. still have some talent so ty i know you came up with uh a couple i came up with a few um i think we have one in common so let's let's start with the one we have in common here
0: um why don't you go ahead and tell them who that is yeah so that's dom smith uh from the mets who's kind of the popular guy just around the league in general of, you know, these guys that have a great amount of potential and just haven't seen a lot of playing time. Um, he has, however, played in, I believe 32, 33 ish games this year. So he is getting more playing time uh, uh, now, but
1: 32 games, but 39 played appearances. So Ooh, it's a lot of pitch yeah. hitting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's so, yeah, you, you know, and he's blocked by Peter Alonzo and, you know, just the, the rest of their infield is is stacked right now. Well, and they no don't H. Yeah. yeah, he's, uh, uh, you
1: know, he's lefty lefty. So, I mean, it's really first base or nothing for him. Uh,
0: right. But yeah, so. So, yeah, he. uh I think that's kind of, you know, and obviously, you know, it's another first base type, you know, first base DH type, uh, for the Mariners who have plenty of those right now, but obviously he's, he, he gives you more value than Ryan Healy. He gives you way more future value than, than Edwin Encarnacion, uh, Jay Bruce, et cetera. Uh, he's a guy that you can add and can give playing time to pretty quickly. Uh, so that's always felt like a fit. Um, He's a guy that with a good amount of playing time will will likely hit. It's a it's kind of a Daniel Vogelbach situation. And he and he has hit uh in the limited amount of opportunities that he has uh seen this year. So um that's kind of the big one. Uh, but I'm sure there will be plenty of teams that are are going to be interested in him. I would assume that the Mets will be buyers uh this uh this deadline because they just they kind of went all in on this year for some reason uh (laughs) and uh so that
1: for all that work they did they're one game better than the mariners so just keep that in mind
0: yeah so that's um but that seems to to be the the kind of the big name uh of these guys, uh, the other names that I came up with, well, one of them is Clint Frazier, who, you know, as the Yankees get more healthy, uh, he's not going to see as much playing time. You know, they still have Gardner. They, a, uh, you know, judge will be back. Stan will be back, et cetera. You know, Frazier's just not going to see as much playing time. You know, Hicks will be back, et cetera. Um, he was always a guy that I really liked for them when, uh, the, when the and rumors were, were swirling. Um, you know, as we saw in that series in, in New York, he he played awful on defense, so he would fit perfectly with the Mariners. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of another guy. He won't come cheap. Um, that's probably the most ex- that's probably the most expensive uh, player that will that will mention. I, you know, obviously, I don't know who uh, some of your other guys are, but. I would assume that'll be uh, probably the most expensive one there. Um, but the the one main name that I came up with is uh, Christian Arroyo, uh, the infielder for the for the Rays. He uh, they got him in the uh, I believe it was the Matt Moore deal, correct? With the Giants? Uh, no, it was the Longoria trade. Oh yeah, the Longoria deal. Uh, so uh, Arroyo can play uh, second, third, short at an average to an above average rate. Uh, pretty solid bat, just hasn't gotten any playing time. Really, has dealt with, with some injuries, I believe, uh, which did limit him uh, last year. Am I correct on that? I think it was yeah. last year that he had some injuries. He only yeah, played.
1: So. Uh, he played sixty-six games between AAA and uh, in the
0: big leagues, and he really struggled last year at the plate. So, yeah. So um, you know, it's a guy that just he hasn't had a lot of playing time over the last uh, year or so. Um, back in AAA this year, the, the Rays are pretty stacked in their uh in their infield with you know the likes of Brandon Lowe and Joey Wendell and and uh Yandi Diaz and et cetera. So um and you know we talked about the Rays as a potential trade partner. I think that I think Arroyo is a name that you could look for in a in a in a Leah steal. Um so I you know and he gives you uh, plenty of flexibility. The Mariners don't have uh, a, a significant amount of infield flexibility right now, aside from, uh, you know, Shed Long uh, and Dylan Dillamore uh, and uh, Arroyo is a guy that you can slide in there right away um, and, uh, you know, and be able to give him significant play in time. You would likely fit him at third and second for most of the time. Uh, and that might be the answer to your Kyle Seager problem, problem if, uh, if you want to sh- uh, send uh, Seager elsewhere during the off season.
1: Yeah. Um, Roy is interesting. Uh, real fast, I want to go back to Dom Smith just for a second. Um, like I said, Smith is a guy who takes a lot of walks just to kind of give you his profile. He takes walks. He doesn't strike out. Uh, much, uh, at least in the minor leagues. He hasn't struck out much. Um, and defensively, he's actually a pretty solid defender at first base. Um, I'd say league average or slightly better. Uh, he's a bat more than power right now, but he does have uh, above average raw power. Um, he's a, he's an interesting guy, like you mentioned. Um, I, I think he'd probably top my list. Uh, as Clint Frazier, I don't know what the Mariners could have. To offer the Yankees that lures Clint Frazier away unless it's Hanager or uh, uh, Gonzalez or anything like that. Um, just put a bow on Dom Smith for a minute. Um, I said, so the thing I like about Christian Arroyo is, is that, uh, like he's, very, he's versatile. He can play three spots and not kill you defensively. Um, he's, he's only twenty three. right. He was a, former top 100 prospect. So he does have that pedigree. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Michael young from the Rangers. Um, Uh more of a line drive doubles type of hitter might develop some power, but it's never going to be plus power. He doesn't have plus speed. Uh, you know, he's, he's a guy who needs to hit and he needs to play some pretty good defense to give you value. Um, but I, I think he can do that. I, the numbers in his big league career are not good at all. Um, and he's really struggled with the bat really for the last two years. But, uh, I, I think there's something there. I, I like yep. Arroyo, um, kind of as that utility guy, maybe the third baseman doesn't have really the power that you typically project at third base. Uh, but he should hit enough and play good enough second base that, you know, he could be your permanent guy there maybe shift shed long to third base or you keep shed long in that kind of utility role. Um, you know, versatility is going to be uh, a key for him. Um, and I think he could, uh, I think he's, I think he's a really interesting name. Um, five years, I think of club control left. He still has an option. So he has some flexibility there as well. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Arroyo is a really interesting name, uh, to watch. He turns 24 at the end of this month. So he's still young. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's a, that's an interesting name there. All right. So we have Dom Smith, Christian Arroyo and Clint Frazier. Um, I also had Dom Smith on my list, uh, as well. So no need to rehash that. Um, another name who did get some pretty significant playing time. Um, but you know, not an everyday player, at least not last year. um, is a guy and I apologize for butchering his name here. Uh, his name is uh Yairo Munez. He's uh infielder for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, you know, uh, pretty good hit, pretty good hitter overall. Uh, not bad speed either. A uh, lot of, a uh, lot of tools that he has to work with. Uh, Fan graphs right now has him as a 45 future value uh, with 50, uh, 50, uh, game power potential, a uh, 55 hit tool potential, um, you know, average defense and a cannon for an arm. Uh, the Cardinals saw him in 108 games last year. He got 329 plate appearances, 276, 350, 413, uh, eight home runs, five stolen bases, nine, 9.1% walk rate. Um, uh, so, you know, 106 WRC plus. So a good above average bat. Uh, but this year with that stacked infield, uh, he's appeared in just 21 games with just 32 plate appearances. Um, you know, he's been pretty bad this year as well. Uh, he just, you know, he's a guy who could get you 10, 12 home runs and 10, 12 steals. Uh, so it's about the defense and, uh, you know, getting on base for him. He's 24 years old. Uh, you know, the defensive, uh, metrics aren't, uh, aren't too kind to him. Um, but he does play, he can, like Arroyo, he can play second and third and short. Um, so, And he even has a little bit of experience in the outfield as well. Um, yeah, I so, was going to
0: say that I feel like I remember him playing in the outfield last year for them. Yeah, he's got a little bit of experience
1: there. So he's got some interesting tools, just hasn't really put them together at the big league level. But, I mean, 276, 350, is nothing to scoff at. That's a solid stat line. Um, and yep. this year in his limited opportunities, he's three eighty seven, four zero six, four fifty two. 406, um, Like I said, not a great base runner, not a great defender. Kind of have to hit. He's a little bit like Jose Martinez, but the infield great. version. Um, and honestly, he's a lot like Christian Arroyo. So we kind of had the same idea there. Yeah.
0: Um, I'll throw another Cardinal in there. Uh, yeah. And we talked about him a few weeks ago, actually, Tyler O'Neill, former yeah. Mariner. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's been up and down, you know, going to the MLB, going back to AAA, dealt with some injuries, etc. Um, yeah, that's that's a guy that would, uh, you know, I mean, the Mariners have 500,000 uh, outfield prospects, <laughs> but, uh, right. you know, uh, having depth, especially in the outfield, is, is never a bad thing, and O'Neill can basically, uh, hit the ball out of, uh, any ballpark. So, uh, that's, you know, that's a nice tool to have. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's also a above average defender, uh, in a corner outfield spot. So, um, would be really interested in bringing him back.
1: Yeah. Plus, you know, team fun. Ooh, let's yeah, do this thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be, that would be awesome. I would love to see uh, Tyler O'Neill back, uh, with the Mariners. So, uh, let's see. And then the other guy on my list, um, is a, a pitcher, uh, in the Phillies organization. He's actually got quite a bit of major league experience, but he's kind of been yo-yoing back and down this year is a pitcher by the name of Nick Piveda. Uh, you know, last year he actually made 32 starts for the Phillies. Um, he was, and he was good. He had a 10.32 K per nine. He only walked uh, 2.8 batters per nine. Uh, high ground ball rate, forty six point seven, uh, and yet the uh, he had some problem, uh, some problems with the home run ball is really his biggest bugaboo, four seven seven ERA, but a three four two xFIP last year, two point eight WAR, uh, F WAR um, as well, and then this year he came back, and he just he made four starts, he wasn't good, like at all. He, <laughs> yeah, his strikeouts dropped to seven point eight five, his walks went up to three point nine three. Per nine, Uh, ground ball rate stayed about the same. The home run rate right now, 26.3% for Piveta. Uh, And of course the, uh, the Phillies couldn't have that. And they sent him down uh, after he posted an 8.35 ERA and a uh, 4.76 XFIP. So he wasn't good. (laughs) He was not good. Um, but the reason I like him is spin rates. Uh, he has a near elite spin rate on his curveball. Uh, it's a very good pitch. He also pitches at about 94 to 95 miles an hour. Um, so, two plus pitches, uh, I would say, um, and a pretty decent slider. Uh, a pretty decent slider to go with it with some upside there. So, you're talking about a guy who has, could have, uh, he has two plus pitches, maybe uh, two average ones. The changeup isn't terrible either. Um, and the Phillies have a lot of, you know, the Phillies are going for it this year. They don't really have time to wait around for Piveda. Um, you know, he's 26 years old, so he's not the youngest guy in the world. He's not old, though. Um, they might want to use him in the bullpen, but that's a guy, 6'5, 220, a lot of tools that you can dream on. Uh, I'm a fan of Piveda. Uh, uh, I think the Mariners have taken chances on these, uh, you know, uh, risky command type of arms and done a nice job of getting value out of them. Uh, Pivetea is a guy that I would really like to see in the rotation uh, at some point this year. So, um, Nick uh, Nick Piveda is uh, one of my uh, guys who needs a chance.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one, actually. Yeah, I was trying to find some pitchers that kind of fit the mold, but it's just it's really hard to to find that type. It's way more easier to find you know position players that are blocked by you know whether it's um you know position group or just overall fit right. um yeah so it's really hard when it comes to pitchers because you don't it you can't just see everything all at once you know are they struggling just with command and that's why they've been sit down or are they you know do they need just some time to work on some things or is it you know, a uh, bigger issue. Is it injuries? Is it, you know, it's, it's pitchers are so delicate that um, it's really hard to get a good read on, on them and, and their situation with the team. Right.
1: It's, uh, it's interesting, man. And I'll throw one minor league name out there, kind of a, an outfielder that eh, kind of been gamble like here. Uh, Austin Dean, who's in the Marlins organization. Um you know he had, in 2018 in double A AA and triple A, uh let's see in 22 games in double A, he hit 420, 464, five, uh 654 before they bumped him up to triple A. And all he did at triple A in 87 games was go 326, 397, 475. Um came up, got a a Mitch Hanniger esque look, uh look with the Marlins. Um, played 122 games, four home runs, uh, only an 18% strikeout rate, which is pretty good. But uh, 221, 279, 363, with uh, below-average defense there. So, uh, just kind of a guy who, uh, by the way, is down in AAA right now, and he's slashing 387, 463, 708. Um, he could be very well be a, a 4A type of player. He said he's 25, so there's not a ton of. Uh, you know, there's not a ton of development left for him to do, um, you know, below average defender in, in the corner spot. Uh, so he's just kind of an interesting name. He's a high minors performer, which we know Depoto likes. He's not going to be, uh, they said he's 25. Um, so he's not young. There's just, I think, he, I think he'll be available. And I think if you're, if you're Jerry, you know, why not take a shot that you might find another Mitch Haniger in Austin Dean? You have the uh, you, you have an opportunity to play him. So, uh, yeah, I think maybe a minor leaguer like that also kind of fits the bill. All right, let's see here. I think that wraps up all of our questions, believe it or not. Wow. Um, yeah. So that was
0: uh, fun. That was fun.
1: Yeah. uh there are any uh final thoughts you want to uh you want to uh talk about here before we kind of sign off?
0: Well, I think really when you look at the uh just at the mariners as a whole right now, it's I I think you're seeing some strong um trade value being developed, uh, from some unexpected sources like Roeanus Elias. And that's making up for the lack of, you know, trade value that you wanted from Jay Bruce and Anthony Sorzak, etc. So, um, there's still plenty of opportunity for them to continue stacking up, uh, within their farm and building that up, um, and I think they they'll they'll have an opportunity here to get a couple of nice pieces uh, before it's all said and done. And um, obviously, you know, don't sleep on on Depoto uh, looking to acquire uh, guys that are already in the major leagues, succeeding right now. I, I if they have control, that's that's going to be something of interest to Jerry. Um, mm. So you know, it, just any 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 player that that fits their timeline of uh you know 2020 2021 2022 etc they fit that timeline um is probably going to be interested so uh and they they have some players that can get them uh some of the some of the prospects that they would uh you know uh, theoretically be interested in so it's exciting um To have that and to be able to look at some names and and you know some highly touted names and and think that yeah that's actually a real possibility that could happen so it's going to be a fun next couple months i would not be surprised if uh if depoto does swing a deal um you know a, a pretty significant one at that uh over the next couple of weeks um he clearly hasn't been shy to trade here uh at any part of his tenure with the mariners and uh, especially early on here in this season he's already made what four or five trades uh mm-hmm. since the season has started and um and you know, the mariners they're they're twenty twenty they're they're uh twenty two and twenty three right now they're only two games out of a wild card spot um even after all the uh, all the struggles that they've had over the last few weeks. Um, don't be surprised if they add some guys that can help them this year and maybe, uh, you know, chasing the, uh, you know, maybe getting into the wild card discussion. Um, they're just, you know, obviously not going to sell the future for it or or do anything like that, but they might get some guys that can help them along sure. the way.
1: I mean, the rest of the American League, once you get past the top like four teams, it's pretty much all trash. So um, <laughs> uh, you get by... The Yankees, the Red Sox, the Rays, the Twins, and the Astros—you um, know—the rest of the league is trash, pretty much. So there, there's a chance that they could, uh, that they could sneak in there. Not a good one, but uh, you never know. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think the Mariners are going to make one—I don't want to say buying move, because buying implies that they'll go for it in 2019. Uh, I think they'll make one, like, not, uh, Ooh, wow, <laughs> one non selling move, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I don't be surprised if they circle back to guys like Matthew Boyd, who's having a great year for the Tigers that they were interested in last year. Four years of club control. Um, they have more prospect depth now, so they can acquire a guy like that without selling their entire system. Uh, so, don't be surprised if they circle back on guys like that, um, guys with, you know, major leaguers with, Three, four, five years of club control. Um, and, you know, don't be surprised if they trade. You know, Elias for a somebody with four years of club control. You know, a, ma- a major leaguer who has some uh, experience. Um, so, yeah, I just I don't think there's anything Depoto could do that would surprise me. Um, I think basically anything short of trading like Kelnick is something that I could conceivably see happening.
0: Um, or Gilbert. I'm not trading Logan Gilbert. Right, right. In yeah. terms
1: of like untouchables, I don't. To me, nobody is ever untouchable. Everybody has a price. Right. Um, yeah. But in terms of guys who I'm probably you're probably not going to get close to, uh, you know, for me that's Kelnick, that's Gilbert, um, and it's Julio. Julio. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said, "I'll trade Evan White this this summer. Sure, I'll trade Kyle Lewis. I'll trade you know." I'll trade Justin Dunn. Yeah. I for the right player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Jerry does. I do think he mostly sells. Um, but I also don't think that I also think he's going to add a big leaguer, uh, with some club control who could help you down the line, even possibly this year. Um, and I do think he's going to hang on to some of his veterans. I like I said, Kyle Seeger. obviously you're not going to get, you can't trade him, uh, you know, it's highly unlikely you're going to find anybody to take him this year. Um, but I think it's possible they keep D Gordon. Uh, you know, if they can't find an offer that they like, I don't think they're just going to give guys away, um, even guys who are making money like D Gordon uh, in particular. So um, this is going to be a really fun uh, trade deadline. There's a lot of possibilities the Mariners could look into. There's a lot of different directions they can go. Uh, and heck, who knows? They might go full on rebuild and trade Mish Haniger in July. We don't know. Um, it's all a possibility. So, uh, it's to be a lot of fun. Like I said, we'll do this again, probably, probably after the draft, I would say. Um, you know, and obviously the Mariners make any trades. We'll talk about them when they make them. Um, but we'll probably do another trade centric show after the draft. I think it's probably a good time for that. Um, we'll have a little bit better idea of uh, what teams will be willing to give up and things like that. So, um, I think that's going to do that. Do it for us, Ty, unless you have anything else you want to add.
0: Um, next week we might have a pretty special guest. I won't say how, uh, who it is. Uh, but, uh, I'll give you a hint. Uh, if, uh, if we do have the guest on, it will be a uh, smashing good time. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah so <laughs> take that for what you will and hey you know what let us know uh when uh when colby posts this uh so on the on the twitter post for this podcast let us know uh in the comments who uh, who you think that is
1: yes it'll be a uh a snapping good time so uh, <laughs> yeah boom how do you like that uh so yeah, uh, be on the lookout for that, guys. We're hope we're hoping to have our special guest next week. Um, just another hint in case you get, didn't catch the first two. Uh, it's not a guest that we've had on before, um, and uh, it'll be it'll be just fun to chat. Sometimes it's nice to just chat with a a Seattle sports fan. So uh, yeah, good good tease there. Uh, so I think that's gonna wrap it up for us here on our uh, trade trade episode special however you want to word it uh uh-huh. so th- thank you guys so much for listening um make sure you visit the website sodomojo.com uh for all the mariners content you can subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any new episodes typically have three a week uh so you guys don't want to miss any of that good stuff um also you can follow us on twitter at soto i think at last count we were one away from 3,100 followers um so that's pretty cool to see uh Soto Mojo FS uh also Facebook and Instagram you can find us by searching Soto Mojo but the best way to get a hold of us guys is absolutely on Twitter um so make sure you follow make sure you uh hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any new episodes and I will see you in another life peace peace